All right, guys, before we get started today, a big thank you to our partner, Microsoft Surface, celebrating 10 years of partnership with the NFL as the official laptop, tablet, and sideline technology provider for the LA Chargers. Microsoft Surface provides players and coaches with the tools to succeed both on and off the field every day. Learn more about Surface at Surface.com. And welcome into the final drive as the Chargers escape with a 30-28 win over the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland, improving their record to 3-2. As always, joined by Haley Elwood and Eric Smith. And guys, we have a lot to get into. Uh, So much happened in this game. I figured we'd start at the end because I think that's the biggest topic of conversation um, after the game. Chargers... Fourth and one, fourth and two from their own 46. Uh, They fail to convert. They go for it, fail to convert. Gives the Browns a short field. I think they get 10 yards on their second play of that drive. It eventually stalls out, but enough for Cade York to go out there and attempt a 54-yard game-winning field goal. That goes right. Chargers escape 30-28. to We'll get into what Coach Staley said uh, about that that final drive and going forward on fourth down. But um, Haley, I'll start with you. Just so much happened in this game. And I think the end of the game kind of overshadowed a a lot of what happened. It totally did. And I think, um, you know, we were 54 yards away from having a very different outlook on this team and probably on this podcast today. When you say so much happened, I take notes obviously like during the game. And if, Scoring plays have something leading up to it that I put like in a parenthesis, like what might have happened before, you know, for instance, like Cleveland second touchdown parentheses off the Chargers turnover on downs. I have a lot of parentheses <laughs> that are next to scoring plays and notes on the other side that happened in this game because it was just really, really wild. Um, the ending to that game was bananas and you could even go back a little further and take it to the Aloe interception which oh my gosh gave me shades of that Jacksonville game with Trey Boston like many many years ago of it essentially being over and then it wasn't and luckily it, it did end up the Chargers way this time but um there was so much that happened towards the end and just sort of utter chaos I mean I tweeted this but Adam Archuleta in the third quarter had said these two teams need to play on prime time because every single time they get together it gets freaking wild and it gets really crazy and things happen and it's like CBS is just enjoying the heck out of it because they get drama literally until the very very end um there's a lot of discourse if you want to use that word on the internet and the media and television today about what happened on fourth down and ultimately you can say that the Chargers sort of lucked out in a sense that the fact that Cleveland did miss that field goal in the end um I know I was reading Daniel Popper and he talked about in the week prior against the Texans they faced a fourth and one from their own 45 led by three and converted there wasn't as much discussion obviously because they made it I think the difference to me was the Browns needed three to win. Like that was it. They only needed three points to win. And luckily they missed the field goal and it didn't end up happening. It wasn't like a tie situation or anything. They would have gone, they were going for the win at that point. So you count, you know, you take it, you get lucky in a sense, you count your blessings and you move on to what is this week six now, but it, it was chaos at the end. I, you guys were obviously there. I wasn't there. I don't know what the tenor was obviously, uh, in Cleveland, but holy cow, from my couch, I was just dying at one point because you just so, you were just, oh, 
riding the emotional wave of what had happened. And then even after the game with the win, you're sort of just almost hung over in a sense of like, okay, that you got out, you escaped it, and now you move on. Eric, I, I was in the tunnel there when York attempted that 54-yard field goal, and he pushed it right. That side of the stadium, everybody's going crazy thinking that he made it. You know, it was, it was that close. So it, it took me almost like five seconds to get my bearings to realize that he actually missed it. But I think what everybody was thinking was going to happen was they would punt it away. The Cleveland didn't have any timeouts. You make Jacoby Brissett go the length of the field um, and make him use his arm to get them in field goal range. Um, and obviously a, a different outcome. And, and sometimes, I think you said it to me yesterday, it's better to be uh, lucky than good, right? I did. I did say that. Um, yeah, man, where, where to start? Um, crazy final five minutes. Um, I thought the game was over after the Alohi interception. I thought we were going to milk the clock out um, and that that was it. Um, I was worried when Cleveland had the ball at the nine or whatever it was because I thought they were going to score a touchdown. Um, just kind of the, given the, the chaos, like, like uh, Haley said, the chaos that was unfolding. Um, in terms of the fourth down, I like it. I'll, I'll just come out and say it. I, I like the aggressiveness. Um, and I get what people are saying, oh, pun it away, and then you pl- try to play defense. And, and sure, and, and it's, a, it's a backup, you know, starting, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's essentially a backup quarterback, right, with, with Brissett. Um, maybe if it's a, a different quarterback, maybe it's a different situation. Um, but I like it because if you get it, the game is over. It's 100% the game is over. And the matchup was good. It was Mike Williams on a rookie corner, and it just didn't, didn't hit. Um, if they had hit it, people, are people going to say, oh, man, that's a great call? Like, I agree with what Coach is saying, that you have to trust your process and trust your numbers and your mindset and your, your data and all that. And whether it works or not, that shouldn't differentiate you from making the call. Um, and, and I totally understand that it didn't work, so people are going to criticize it. And as Haley said, like, if you've been on Twitter, you, you've seen it. Uh, it is all over the place. Um, people are, are very mad, uh, very, very mad. But I, I just think that that's the aggressiveness that the Chargers have shown, like, before I got here, like, last year. And that's what they've they, – they didn't show it much early in the year, but they have in the last couple of weeks. And I just think you have to have that mindset. If that's what you're going to be, then, then be it. And that's what they've shown. Um, sure, we can say now that, that, that they got lucky, and, and they probably did with the missed field goal. Um, but it worked. And I think you just trust the process, and you just stay the course. And the coach said the next time that they're in that situation, they're going for it again. So I don't know why people are going to be mad about it, because we, we know what they're going to do. Coach Staley after the game, quote, we believe in our process. We believe in our players on both sides. We were coming out here on the road to win this game, not kick it and then go hope to win. I believed our defense would get a stop if we didn't make it because I knew that we could cover them. Later went on to say there was no way I was taking our offense out of the field at the end of the game. So to your point, Eric, I think coach is this is this is what he believes and that's their process and that's what they did. They improved to three and two. They have the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football with an opportunity to go four and two and two and one in the division. 
there's a lot of mediocrity in the NFL right now. I, I, I would say maybe one, maybe the Bills, maybe the Chiefs, and the NFC East right now are, are the teams that are, that are playing the best ball. Huh? Yeah, who knew, right? The NFC East, except for Washington, um, everybody else 4-0, and 5-0, 4-1, 4-1. So... Three and two, you're right, you're right in the mix, and you have an opportunity to take on a, a Denver Broncos team who's obviously reeling. Their quarterback is reeling. They have injuries on both sides of the football, and we can get into that game later on in this podcast. But, Haley, if you would have told me the Chargers, dead last in rushing offense, would outrush the most prolific running attack in football – and they would combine for 450 plus yards of, of rushing offense. I don't think I. I don't think I would have an answer for. I don't know what I would have said. I'm not sure what I would have said. Austin Eckler kind of set the tone with the 71 yard rush. Um, Josh Kelly. I, I think they took note of what Josh Kelly has done through the first quarter of the season in limited touches. He got 10 touches for 49 yards and a touchdown. Austin obviously did his thing. And, and hats off to the offensive line. And you know the fact that. Jamari Sawyer was up on Miles Garrett, and I realized that there was some some game planning in there. Get the ball out of your hands quickly. You have to give this offensive line a ton of credit for for not only keeping Justin clean, but opening up these huge holes and outrushing the Browns in their home. Yeah, I mean they got a game ball, right? A collective game ball. Yeah. After after it, and they so deserved it. Yeah, I think I go back to um, Joe Lombardi. I think a, it was just last week where he was asked, you know, how do you get the run game going? How do you get this kind of turned around? And he said, you know, it comes down to execution, but it comes down to everyone working together and doing a better job collectively. And I think that's what you saw yesterday. I think as good as, you know, Austin is and, and Joshua has shown promise as well, I think when it comes down to that offensive line, and maybe, again, they've faced some injuries. They've, they've battled through some stuff. Trey went out at some point. He came back in yesterday. Um, a lot of it, I think, is, is just cohesion and working together. Again, we talked about this a lot, but no preseason snaps. I mean, and there are a couple different pieces on that line, at least Zion, and now you have Salyer in there as well. But it just came down to everyone, I think, working and rushing together. And, again, it, it's so funny when you mention it, just sort of the tenor of the run game in total with over 450 combined yards between these two teams because I was in the locker room last week and I was asking a couple guys on this defense who played in this game against Cleveland last year, you know, what are you expecting? Like, what do you remember about that game? And they just didn't want to talk about it because they were like, defensively, we did not have a good day because it became a shootout. This became like a ground out, if you will. I mean, both teams were yeah. just running it and just running it and running it. And I think from the Chargers perspective, it was just extremely encouraging because you hadn't seen it really up until this point. And when you talk about Justin Herbert and you talk about what he has been dealing with physically, it's only going to help and it takes the pressure off. And so when you kind of couple that with, you mentioned the sort of quick, passing game that they certainly attacked yesterday and getting it out really quickly, you could see how beneficial it is when it sort of all comes together. You know, it wasn't perfect. For instance, that Eckler 71 yard run turned into a field goal and it would have been nice to get, you know, six there, there instead yeah. of three, seven total. But, um, but in the end, I think you've seen promise over these last two weeks and it just goes to show you it's a long season and sometimes things take time to just kind of get your legs literally under you and get going as now we sort of trend into this next quarter chunk of the season. But these are the things you want to see at this point versus it's still going backwards. 
How about this for balance, Eric? 34 passing attempts, 34 rushes. Uh, Mike Williams continues to be a beast on the road. 10 for 134. He has uh, over 100 yards in every single road game this season. Continue to, to kind of have the passing game run through Mike. Um, outside of that, though, the receiving numbers, Josh Kelly was number two, two for 33, four for 26 for Austin. And, and Josh Palmer, three for 24. That was the only other receiver to have a double-digit uh, receiving yards. So uh, I think you're starting to see just what Keenan Allen means to this passing attack. But to, to get the running game going, I think you'll take it. For sure. And just imagine the pressure that takes off of the passing attack. Because really in the first you know four games, it was can Justin kind of will us to, to a win because the running game had, had been doing almost nothing. And that 71-yard run is almost as much as they had in the first in, in week one or week two. I mean, you're like, hey, here we are. You know, we, we're already we're already there. And then, yeah, to run for almost 250 is, is incredible. Um, you know, but I asked Coach Daly about that after the game. I said, you know, how, how, how did the run game get going and then why was that important? He said, we don't want to be known as a passing team. Even though we have, you know, this is me talking now, but even though we have a, a star quarterback, you have to have some sort of balance because otherwise – Eventually, it's not going to work, and teams are just going to load up. You know, we saw that again, I think Jacksonville was. We only had 26 rushing yards, and Justin had a, a good day, but it just it didn't work. Um, you know, so having that balance is so key. I want to touch on, on Josh Kelly because I know, you know, my Twitter mentions and probably everyone else's too was like, why isn't he playing more? Um, Coach said yesterday that, you know, the preseason and regular season are two different things. I think we all saw him ball out in the preseason, and we thought, oh, well, he's RB2. He's going to be the guy. Then we signed, signed uh, Sony, you know, so there's a little bit of a battle there. Um, and it was pretty even, you know, through the first four games of playing time and snaps and all that. Yesterday was not. Uh, I think JK played 27 snaps and Sony played two. Yeah. So that was the first, like, clear sign that, that JK is RB2. And, and he's earned that. You know, he's earned yeah, that. Eric, he, let me just interject, too. He he has earned that. And I, I, I'd i say this. Week one, we saw it. Like, there was a yeah. drive where he he was so instrumental in in a, in a touchdown drive. He was, he's just getting limited touches. But even through the first four games of the regular season, it, it was clear to see that Josh was running with a lot of power, um, a, a completely different back than he was last year. And – you know, I, I'm just glad to see he finally get rewarded. He needs double-digit touches per game, bottom line. Agreed, agreed. And I wonder if the struggles in the running game limited his chances because um, obviously Austin is, is going to be the top guy. But then if the running game isn't working we have to rely more on the path, in theory that's just going to limit his chances to run the ball, even if he is running it well because we're just not going to run the ball that much at all. Um, but I, I'm in agreement with you. I think I think he needs to be more involved, um, and he was, and, and he produced yesterday. Haley, I, I go to this defense, and I know they're missing Joey Bosa, but you know, in large part, they're intact. Stopping the run has been an issue all year, and that has to get tightened up at some point. You know, you bring in Sebastian, you bring in Austin, and and Khalil, obviously, who who has a a track record of being strong against the run. Uh, we we knew what this was going to be with, with Chubb and Hunt, and, and it turned out that way. I don't think we were expecting what the Chargers did on the, on, on the ground. 
But starting with Denver, obviously not having Javante Williams uh, is going to be a big deal. But you have Melvin Gordon in the backfield. And, and just moving forward with you know Penny and Kenneth Walker the following week, they're going to have to stop the run, and they're going to have to get into the habit of, of making that a staple of this defense. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look at the defensive report yesterday, Derwin James led the team with 14 total tackles. And when we talked about sort of the impact that he made last year on this Chargers team, the caveat, the flip side was, well, guys are getting to that second level, and it shouldn't be all Derwin to be able to contain and sort of wrap up and and try to clean up at that point. You need more pressure at the point of attack. Um, You know, the other thing I noticed yesterday, they barely got pressure too on Jacoby Brissett in terms of just no sacks and, and things of that sort. And I think... You know, that's another thing. And and we saw it to me at the beginning of that Kansas City game. They looked so fast. And and again, Joey, I know, was in that game. But they looked so fast and they just, you felt it. Like we were so high up in that press box. But you just felt sort of that, that like Mahomes couldn't do anything. That that this defense was just flying at him. And I think they kind of just need to get back to that. Um but you mention it. I mean, with Melvin Gordon coming up, I think Rashad Penny might have fractured a, a leg yesterday, so his status for Seattle TBD. But regardless, you have Derrick Henry coming up later in the season yeah. with Tennessee. You are going to be facing a litany of really good running backs in this league, and you need, you just, you have to do it. You have to stop it. Um, try to make teams one dimensional in that sense too. But it. You know, it's one of those things that you mentioned it. These guys are largely intact. J.C. Jackson, obviously, I know we're talking about the run defense, but he's back there in the secondary now relatively healthy. I think you can say he's, you know, played the last couple games. Um, it, it definitely needs to be shored up and needs to be cleaned up. And again, maybe this is a product of just not really having a whole lot of playing time together. But now as you trend into the second quarter of the season, just like the rushing offense has gotten better, the rushing defense now kind of needs to turn that corner and get things tightened up. And Eric, we finally saw them uh, outscore an opponent in the second half going into today, 76 to 31, or going into yesterday, rather, 76 to 31. The Chargers were outscored the first four games of the year in the second half. Uh, they outscored the Browns 13 um, 7. They, they kind of come alive in that third quarter. And for the second consecutive week, you know, we'll, we'll give the defense props here. You, know, you close with an with a interception that should have been the game ceiling interception from Alohi. Yeah, it should have been. I think that's what we can agree on. Um, yeah, all week, you know, we heard last week how we need to be better in the second half and especially the third quarter. Um, believe it or not, like, I almost didn't believe it when I looked at the, the stats on the flight home last night, but the Chargers put the shutout in the fourth quarter, which I didn't really believe because it was such a crazy game, but but they did. You know, and obviously that missed field goal helps. Um, yeah, the, the pick by Alohi was incredible. Um, you know, he obviously made his first start of the season in, in place of uh, Nasir Adderley. Um, co- for that, Coach just said he wanted to see some competition. You know, I mean, I think we can all agree the defense hasn't been, you know, as potent as we thought they could be, you know, especially given all the, the big names on that side of the ball. And, and the back end had been struggling in, in certain areas, you know, whether it's the run defense like we've seen, whether it's giving up big pass plays, and they felt like they wanted to give – low a chance in there and he and he stepped up um you know in terms of the pick I asked him about it in the locker room and he said it was almost like uh speaking of Kansas City Haley he likened it to like a a play that Mahomes would make kind of getting outside the pocket and then it's like okay is he gonna run is he gonna pass Lowe said he was looking at Jacoby dead in the eye they were eye to eye 
and he kind of baited him into throwing that pick. He kind of moved up a little bit like he was going to get him to force Jacoby to throw, and then Jacoby threw it, and he backed up, and, you know, the, the ball was right to him, right to him. It was, it was a great play. Um, and sometimes you just kind of need those breaks to, to go your way. Um, so, yeah, prop to Alohi for coming up clutch. I, I agree. I still think the defense is, is a work in progress, something we probably wouldn't want to say heading into week six. Um, but I guess you just keep at it. Keep at it and keep trying to get better. Let me apologize in advance here. We're, we're 22 minutes into this podcast, and I haven't mentioned Taylor Bertolette. How about our guy Taylor, man? Three field goals, three extra points. He was clutch on the road. Um, he got a game ball. And Haley, I mean, li- listen, 30-28, to 28, y- your backup kicker comes in, makes all his kicks. He was the difference in the ballgame. He was. I mean, and, and in a tough place to play, too. Cleveland's – that's – that's a hard place in terms Plus of. Plus, you got midges. You got midges everywhere. You got yeah. bugs. I mean, yeah. I don't know I'm glad you guys are okay. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I heard they're relatively harmless, but um, the backstory of the Haley Elwood story over the last couple of weeks, I've been dealing with a lot of bug bites and I wanted nothing to do with that. So I'm very happy that I was on my couch in <laughs> Southern <laughs> California. But um, it's a, yeah, that, that's what you want. I mean, you want that kid to come in, make all the extra points, all the kicks, and not have it be the difference in the game. You know, we're not sitting here today looking at, oh, well, that missed field goal in the second quarter, you know, it could have been a six-point, you know, five-point lead at the end instead of two or whatever it is. Like, you're, you're looking at it from an entirely positive perspective, and that's a, that's a job. The kid had never – he had never kicked. He had never made points in the NFL before. He bounced around a bunch of different teams. Um, I think Jeff Miller noted he's three years older than Joey Bosa or something like that, yeah. I think. Um, <laughs> but uh, but it, it doesn't matter, right? That's sort of the beauty of the NFL, that, that it's a week-to-week league. It's the ultimate reality show, as I like to say. And, and every week you get a kid, you get a guy who might come in – doesn't matter where he came from, but if he has the performance like he has, that's incredible. And yeah, you mentioned it. He got a game ball. Good for him. The only thing I'll say, Eric, is that a uh, 28-yard field goal, a uh, 25-yard field goal, 27-yard field goal, that means that the red zone offense wasn't punching it in. So, you know, if, if they were 40 and 50, that'd be one thing. Uh, the, the red zone offense needs to convert and get six instead of three. Yeah, yeah, I was going to touch on that. Props to Taylor for sure. I mean, I wouldn't even call him a backup kicker because he only got here on Thursday. It wasn't like he was around. You know, I mean, he he just – I don't even know where he was on Monday of last week, but but he was here. Um, yeah, props to him um, coming up clutch. Yeah, the red zone offense kind of stalled out. We mentioned the 71-yard run that led to a field goal. And at the time, it was – 14 nothing. We were down 14 nothing, and I wondered, man, like we really needed seven there to get back in it. Um, it worked out because, you know, after going down 14 nothing, we rallied back to, I think, 17 unanswered, yeah. um, which, which is good, good fight. Like, I mean, I think that's one thing that got lost a little bit yesterday was, you know, the crazy ending and the, and the rushing attack and all that. We were down 14 nothing, and we could have folded, but we didn't. And I think that's a credit to the team for, for getting up off the mat and fighting back. But, yeah, on the flip side of that, too, if you turn those under 30-yard field goals into touchdowns, then we're not talking about the fourth and two at the end of the game. You know, uh, we're just talking about the, how great the offense did when they scored, you know, 40-plus points in, in, in a tough place to play. All right, guys, let's push it forward to Denver. And, and Haley, we, we 
talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, how, how we can look ahead a little bit. And you looked at this this uh, back-to-back road situation with Houston and Cleveland. And, and if you win both of them, you're 3-2. and two, All of a sudden, you got the Broncos on Monday Night Football in your place with a chance to go 4-2 and 2-1 two and two and in the division. That's exactly how it's played out. Um, I, I will say this about Denver. For as poor as they've looked offensively, they've been really good on defense. Yeah. I know they have a lot of injuries. Um, but Russell Wilson and company have had to hear about how poor they've been uh, over this first quarter of the season. And they're going to have 10 days before Monday Night Football. So uh, a mini buy for them, and you can expect their best shot. Yeah, I have no idea what to make of the Denver Broncos. I am just perplexed. That Thursday night game was so crazy. Um, But I'll say this, and it's to piggyback off of what you said. I don't think they want to get embarrassed on national television again. And I think they are going to give their best effort. Um, The Broncos have been one of those teams with the Chargers over the last couple of years. You split. Like, that's Mm -hmm. been sort of a a win-loss kind of one-and-one situation. And as we got into this season, you know, you have this weird feeling of, well, now they actually have a quarterback, like a a very competent Super Bowl-winning quarterback who – doesn't really look like it at this point right now. And I know he's dealing with some some shoulder stuff or, or whatever it is. But it just seems to me that I just don't think they're going to lay down and die. Like, I think at some point they're probably going to turn it around. The AFC West is so freaking weird. I mean, bottom line, you just never know what's going to happen week to week. But defensively, you mentioned it, they are very good. And they did deal with some injuries. But again, they had that Thursday night game. They're on this mini buy. You know, kind of like with Herbert and the rib cartilage, he had that extra time to try to hopefully get back, which he did against Jacksonville. You think that maybe they're going to get some of these guys back. But I just think that you you just can't count this team out, regardless of how, like I said, I don't know what to make of them at this point. Offensively, defensively, they're pretty good. But you just can't look at this as sort of a cakewalk, despite what we may have all have seen a couple, like a Thursday ago. Um because, again, these, these two teams are just – it's just so weird. Divisional games are just so weird. And you have to go in just knowing um, they're kind of a wounded animal right now that, again, does not want to get embarrassed because they have had to hear for 10 days what's been going on with them and in their building. And there are a lot of people that were like, we never want to see the Broncos on national television again. Well, congrats. You get it on Monday night against the Chargers. Um <laughs> And I just don't I just don't see them having that same type of performance unless, you know, they just aren't very good. But I think that game will tell you a lot. And um, and you just certainly have to be on top of it. And I think from the Chargers defensive perspective, you have to be on it. You have to be on it from the get go. Um, and offensively, you need to find ways to find creases in that defense because they were pretty good. They were pretty good against uh, against the Colts a couple of weeks, you know, however many days ago. Eric, we'll give you the final word here and, you know, for as tough as it's been for the Chargers to get to this point at three and two, um, I feel like these first five games is, almost has felt like a season, right? The yeah. three and two. If you beat the Broncos on Monday Night Football, you're four and two and two and one in the AFC West with the Seahawks at your place before you go to the bye. It's a it's a golden opportunity to get to five and two with frankly not playing your best ball and being able to reset were a really tough back half of this 2022 regular season schedule. Yeah, I was going to say, for as much as we, a couple of weeks ago, looked at this two-game road stretch of, of Houston and Cleveland, as okay, this is kind of a, 
a big a big opportunity to get above 500 to get to three and two. These next two home games are almost in the same basket of hey, keep it going for two more weeks. You know, get pretty much give it all you have before you get to the buy because at the buy you can have your break and your rest. But if you can win the next two and you're five and two at the buy, that look that looked pretty solid considering the injuries and the the crazy games and just like you said the the chaos of of the first you know five seven games whatever it is yeah it it feels like a season I mean I'm tired already and it's uh, we're not even at mid October yet um, you know I, I I need that buy for sure maybe it's a that baby at home that's keeping me awake. Um, but yeah, you know, that's, um, it, it's a big two game stretch and it, in terms of the Broncos, I don't think you can count them out. Like Haley said, like you have to throw out the record, throw out the numbers. Anything can happen when you play teams in the AFC West. Um, I think they're going to come out strong and I think I'm, a, I'm in agreement with Haley. The Chargers need to be ready to go because, um, the national perception maybe of Denver right now is, oh, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling, you know, and, and they're going to hear about that. They're going to come in fired up, and and we, we have to be ready for that for sure. Yeah. Monday Night Football, Chargers, a big stage. They get to 3-2, and two, and the three wins all come against AFC opponents, which could mean something as we get closer to January if the Chargers are in contention. But – Looking forward to Monday night at SoFi Stadium. It's always fun when this team is on a national stage and you add in an AFC West opponent and Russell Wilson and everything that that brings should be interesting in Inglewood next Monday night. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us. For Eric Smith and Haley Elwood, I'm Chris Harey. This has been The Final Drive. Final Drive.